0: Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard. For those who have listened to the show, you know, besides being an author, besides being your host, I'm a pretty good person to listen to. At least I think so. And with that being said, I like to share people that I think are pretty good to listen to as well, authors that I enjoy talking to. And a lot of authors, the ones that are more than happy to talk, they have a lot to say and most times... They'll keep you on your toes and keep you interested talking about their books. So with this episode, I'm talking with Gordon Byron. Interesting conversation about his two series. I think you're going to enjoy them. And depending on if you're into rom-coms or the science fiction, he has something for both areas. And to me, they sound interesting. So I want you to enjoy the show. I want you to find his profile Learn more about them. And you know, it's on authorblurb.com, where also you can find other people's profiles. You can find people who have different books that you might be interested in. You can find also the video feeds of where you can watch the videos if you're not watching it already. You can find where the audios are being shared at. You can listen to the audios on the website as well. To boot, you can also find articles. Like the one that Gordon wrote that is on authorblurb.com. So enjoy, go find all the different information on him, the other authors, and enjoy. I'm personally hoping you find somebody that you think is that author you really love and you want to share. And if you're sharing, share this show with people, tell people about it, rate it, review it. The more you do that, hopefully, the more people say, hey, I want to listen. And you can be that person to say, see, I showed you this show. It's great. Eric is a fun person to talk with or listen to. And the more we do that, the more we grow and the happier I am. So if you want to make me happy, or if you just want to look like you know something other people don't, share and tell people about it. In the meantime, authorblurb.com and enjoy this show. Gordon was fun to talk with, and I think you're going to enjoy him as well, like I said. So thank you. So I'm here with Gordon Byron. We're here to discuss his two series that he written, and one's a rom-com thriller type of series, if I'm thinking correctly. Uh You know, instead of me going through trying to describe it all, because it sounds like it has a lot of complexities into the stories, as well as trying to understand it all. Gordon, thank you for being here. If you can go into a bit about yourself, so everyone can get to know you, and then talk about your books as well, I'll be quite appreciative.
1: Yeah, um, I am. A, I've come from a background as an engineer. I work in the environmental sciences industry, um, so I worked in that industry for about eight years. Uh, I really love science and nature. And, uh, so a lot of my books, um, or at least my, uh, the super species book sort of centers on nature and the effect of nature, uh, nature being like the ultimate, um, reality, the ultimate gauge of truth. So that's one of the, uh, the nature doesn't need to be changed, that it is what it is. And we need to keep it that way and fall in line with that. Um, I also, uh, have always written books since I was very, a very young age, I've, always been interested in writing and uh, sort of communicating my ideas. I've always had these ideas in my head uh, that I wanted to get out and to other people and have people react to them. Uh, I love to travel uh, a lot of the time because I think it helps my writing. It helps me to become more of a, you know, citizen of the world, so to speak, and, uh, you know, more open to new ideas and new cultures and new ways of looking at things. Uh, So I really love to to travel and to experience new environments and talk to people in different environments and and get an idea of their their ways, their different ways of approaching problems and dealing with the challenges of life, <laughs> I guess.
0: All right. And then you also have a Paul and Sandy series that you wrote too. Mm-hmm. So let's let's start off with the super, the first one, the one that's environmental. Super how did you pronounce it again? Super the super species. Super species. Okay. So, su- super species. Obviously, I haven't had enough coffee yet this morning. <laughs> super species. So, you said that's all about environmental, about basically nature and how we need to fall in line and work with nature together. I'm what's so that?
1: You... Oh, oh, I was no, going go to say,
0: what in what sense do you mean in that way? Are you saying it's a book? Is it a book of like how more of a science book or I thought it was a not or a fictional book that you written. So where does it lead us to? So if I'm reading it, what do I expect the story to be about?
1: Um, the story is about uh, a group of scientists that uh, create uh, a new species or a species within a species that uh, develops intelligence much faster. And uh, they start to rebel against their their makers and against the human control over you know the earth and the uh, pl- uh and them you know the all the animals and the natural environment so they start to develop an intelligence and they start to rebel against uh human domination of the planet but also the uh, the people who have who made them you know the p- people who uh, genetically engineered them to be more intelligent so Um, What ends up happening is that people break into two different camps. Uh, You have uh, people that want to destroy them and then people that want to preserve them because they represent uh, an evolutionary development. And so they end up clashing heads over that. Uh, The government scientists that work on the project that try to terminate them are, um, are met with environmental groups and animal rights groups that want to uh, preserve them. So there's this clash and there's this violent clashes between them. And there are a lot of philosophical differences between them because, you know, no one's ever seen uh, an evolutionary development like this before. And they're very smart, too. They end up uh, outsmarting the, uh, the human beings that try to hunt them. Uh, they ambush them uh, frequently uh, while they're, you know, they're being hunted by different means. So it's uh it's kind of a don't mess with nature when nature is trying to assert itself uh is one of the one of the themes, I guess.
0: Okay, so now you said that they were they were a species created by scientists, this and that. Mm-hmm. So is that so when I hear that and this is just my thinking, so when I hear that my first thought is it's now Fully nature, but it's mankind manipulating nature, and it coming back and biting them in the rear end.
1: Right, that that's true, and that's one of the themes of the story. But uh, you know, once once the spark is lit, and uh, you know, uh, human beings do their do their thing to push evolution in a certain direction, then it, but uh, you know, they don't know which direction it will go. So it becomes nature takes over. Uh, The the scientists uh, light the initial spark and then nature takes over. So you're correct in that, in in what you're saying. You're absolutely correct. But then they have no control over where it goes from there. And it ends up turning against them, which, you know, I guess uh, the lesson is, you know, when you create something new or when you play with fire, uh, you really don't know what's going to happen. You know, a human being can start a fire, obviously. And then it can destroy the destroy the person, him, him or herself, right? Because they right. don't know what's going to happen from there, there on out.
0: So what is the species, did you have like a specific species that you discussed that it goes off of, like an insect or a mammal or like what type, is it a large species, a small species, just to try to get a feel of the challenges that might be there because different sized species would cause different types of challenges and different evolutional appearances
1: that's right i i chose bears and i chose um like bears across the world so um grizzly bears kodiaks uh black bears sloth bears um all the all
0: all the bears that basically that people don't really see very often right. so all right. So with the bears, do they really? I guess dig into. Do they experiment, and Nate scientists make all the bears, or tested on all the bears at one time, or how does it kind of mutate through the different species of bears?
1: Um, they 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 initiate uh, changes in all the different uh, different types of bears, and then um, once once they've done that. Uh, then it starts to steamroll or snowball and it starts to develop on its own. And then as, as the bears, you know, as they start to realize in different countries, whether it's South America, bears exist all over the world, pretty much right. in any environment. So they're very adaptable uh, and polar bears, too. Um, so they they're able to adapt and overcome and uh, realize that human beings are, you know controlling them and you know destroying their environment manipulating them in a certain way and they start to rebel and bears are very intelligent anyway they're mm-hmm. they're, you know I, I did a lot of study on bears and they're they are some of the most intelligent creatures on earth you know up there with like uh, uh porpoises and uh you know other other monkeys and other intelligent species they're they're very very close plus the fact that you can add the dramatic aspect of you know the them, them being able to carry out you know acts of, of violence um and against uh you know some uh, enemies you know uh any any beings uh, beings or or creatures that they view as enemies so so it adds a dramatic feature
0: yeah i was going to say a bear could definitely do some damage i've <laughs> i've seen some up close throughout my lifetime more than i'd like to say the least yeah. so i can say what i've seen of them i definitely don't want to mess with them so no. that makes sense so Where does this all take place? Is it a global setting when you write about it, or is it set in the United States, Canada? Because you've been, I think the information you've told me and what's in your profile on authorblurb.com is you've been to Europe, you've lived in Europe, you lived in Asia, here in North America. So where do you set all this at?
1: It's all set in uh, Colorado, in uh, what's called White River National Forest. Uh, which is near um, you know some of the major ski resorts in in Colorado. But it's kind of a not so well-known forest in Colorado. It's called White River. And um, I also did a lot of study on that area to you know to to write the story. And uh, the I start with the and there aren't a lot of grizzly bears in that area. so the one of the first scenes that starts off, you know, most most of the grizzly bears are generally speaking up north in like Montana or even in Canada because they're right. very, 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 um, you know, reluctant to be close to human beings. Uh, unlike black bears, you know, black bears will you know eat trash can, you know, eat stuff out of trash cans right near right near cities and towns.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so one of the scenes starts out with grizzly bears being in White River National Forest. Kidnapping, uh, um, you know, causing an accident and kidnapping a young girl. So I, I guess I played off of that sort of King Kong sort of aspect in a certain way that kidnapping the girl and, um, you know, the, the the massive creature, you know, uh, kidnapping. And then and then it ends up this wild chase, you know, through the forest. The bears are, uh, you know, they, the hunters are trying to find the bears are trying to rescue the girl. But at the same time, there's a war going on between the bears because some of them are not super species and they don't understand what's going on and they and and they see this violent you know one bear from up north taking you know this extreme measure and you know leading these you know creating this huge commotion and they want to destroy this bear because you know it's it's what he's doing is out of control and it's out out of the bounds of nature as far as they're concerned so it's a battle not only between The human beings trying to find the girl, the young girl they kidnap, and the the family that they force off the road, but it's also a battle, it's an infighting battle between the bears themselves, you know, the ones that are super intelligent, uh, and the ones that aren't, the ones that are just regular bears, not really knowing what's going on, and wanting to destroy the outlying, um, you know, uh, animal, the outlying creature.
0: All right, and... That's the first one. I thought I saw on Amazon as well that there's a second book mm-hmm. in that series. Does the second one follow the first or is it a take on a different location of in a different situation?
1: It's in the same location. The Superspecies Part 2 is in the same the same locations because it deals with, you know, but but it goes from Colorado to Washington D.C. With references to South America and other parts of the world, where you know they're in communication with scientists that are also familiar with the superspecies theory. It's called, which is the more advanced, uh, you know, animals. Um, but the superspecies two takes up the story and uh, deals a lot with the human conflicts with the the groups that want to destroy the animals because they're so dangerous, because they're very crafty. Uh, they they are um, killing hunters that try to to locate them and and exterminate them and then the ones the other groups um, that want to save them that want to uh, you know preserve them because they are this evolutionary development you know man made or not they 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 don't all know it's man made um, some of some of them uh, just believe it's a natural phenomenon and they don't understand it but uh, so you have these two groups fighting it out you have um, you know, groups that are uh, cordoning off entire national parks and trying to exterminate these bears because they're extremely dangerous and they're threatening campers and hunters and, you know, poachers and whoever whoever comes along. Uh, and then you have the, uh, the ones that want to, ones that are surrounding, you know, these national parks that are cordoned off by, you know, uh, government officials and government troops. And they are, you know, um, so you have this war going on they're surrounding these parks and, and trying and protesting and, and trying to sneak into the park and create, you know, commotion and diversion. So you have, a you know, like a, a battle royale going on between the two opposing sides.
0: <laughs> right. Well, that sounds like it would definitely keep you on the edge of your seat trying to follow it and trying to understand which side you're going to root for. Because yeah. I guess depending on your point of view will depend on who you feel is the good guy or the bad guy. So
1: I would like people to be able to sympathize with both sides, you know, because I I think I didn't want it to be like a simple choice of, you know, these guys are the good guys and these guys are the bad guys, because you know, in in reality they both have a point. You know, right. they both have a good point and they're both human beings with their own, you know, particular biases or points of view and they both have, you know, um they both have, you know, logical arguments and 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 you know, d- you know Understandable ideas, you know, logical ideas.
0: All right. So now, with all that, it sounds like that series is definitely a good book for people into sci fi, into science, and things like that. Did you really research a lot into the science side of it, or is it, I guess, it's referred to as hard science when you're trying to use as much accurate science as possible, or did you kind of like just throw some stuff out there? Because I know some readers, they're definitely anal about if it's supposed to be hard science, they want it to be hard science. But if it's just for fun, the, the some readers will be like, "Oh, well, it's a book. You just let it go.
1: Yeah. I went into, you know, um I have a like you know I have a scientific background. i've I've mm-hmm. uh, you know i I worked as an engineer for um, about eight years. So, um I but I didn't want to I didn't want it to be too scientific because you know the theme is more along the lines of nature. and um, you know the the primacy of nature as opposed to the, you know the um, the dominion of human beings over nature is kind of one of the the underlying themes. So I only i, I the the science is very basic, I guess, you know, anyone with, I guess a one oh one biology. Uh, understanding can understand the the DNA and the different sequences within uh DNA and how that that can influence behavior you know you can even see that on the the news sometimes you know you can see uh you know the different gene sequences and how they influence behavior and if you um you know if you uh implant DNA within cells or you remove DNA or something like that it can can influence behavior so it's it's pretty it's pretty basic pretty basic science.
0: Okay, so enough that somebody like me would understand who my background in science is zilch. So, (laughs) I mean, I've been in the construction side of the world and design and all this for years. So science, unless it's building materials, my science is small. So, Yeah. yeah, that sounds great for somebody, especially like me. Like I said, science is great to know if I can say, oh, well, that makes sense, then that's fantastic. I don't
1: want to alienate people, you know, who are just either not scientific or not interested that much in over overly detailed, you know, scientific uh, explanations.
0: Understand. And that's always a good thing to do, too. So now let's move on to, and I'm thinking I'm remembering this correctly, Paul and Sandy series or the Mm -hmm. Paul and Sandy series that that starts off from what I understand of the description of the book where Paul, the main character was kind of a, uh, by the seat of his pants, doesn't really worry about much until some little accident or incident happened. Yeah. What, so give me a quick insight on that book. And so we can get a bit of understanding about it and go into it. Sure.
1: Um, uh, Paul masters is the, uh, the, the principal character and he's like your typical, uh, you know, college student, young man uh, who, you know, doesn't really care about much. He doesn't really know what he wants to do with his life. Uh, He's, you know, he's irresponsible. He drives a fast car. He's on his way to uh, the university in the morning. He's driving very quickly. He's about to be late for class. So he's uh, maybe not looking at what, what he's doing, you know, not, not really paying attention so much, maybe a little angry that he's about to be late and, and be chewed out by the teacher or something, or, so he accidentally hits an old woman uh, who's pulling out of her driveway and uh, nearly kills her uh, in the process because he's just going too fast. He, his, his car is you know, extremely fast. And um, so what ends up happening is, you know, he looks at her. He realizes what what he's done. He sees this this old this older woman, uh, Mrs. Halston. And she's uh, she's bloody, she's broken up uh, quite a bit. It looks like she may die. The police come, they they arrest him. Um, so his life, you know, obviously takes a turn for the worse that morning. And then uh, what he's worried about, what the police tell him, that is, if she dies, then he could be, you know, in either in jail for manslaughter or aggravated manslaughter or something. Uh, so he's taken to jail. His father comes and bails him out of jail and uh so forces him to go to the hospital and visit her and kind of kiss kiss a little butt you know and try mm-hmm. to uh, see if she's okay and you know and at least make the his father his father is kind of a um, superficial person so to speak he's a very big strong man but uh, but he, he he wants to protect his son and uh he only will he has to drag Paul to the hospital to explain that this, this is what we need to do to, you know, to kiss butt to this woman. So if she does survive, maybe she'll be on our side. Maybe she won't press charges, what have you. And uh, so he does it. And when, when um, they're in the hospital, the, the old, the elderly lady, Mrs. Halston, the one who's very badly injured, she sees, even though he's reluctant to be there, she, she somehow sees that he's a caring person that somehow he really do, does care about her. and He's really sad about and feels guilty about what he did. Um, and she eventually does recover uh, from her, from the accident. So he's not facing manslaughter. He still goes to court uh, for this. And she appears in court on his behalf uh, as, as sort of a character witness on her own behalf and helps him out. So he actually does get, um, he does, doesn't get in as much trouble as he could have uh, otherwise because she survives and because she sort of saw something in him, a spark, a sense of caring, a sense of guilt and remorse in him. And she came to his aid. She felt that he was someone worth saving, as old people, as older people do. Sometimes they see things that other people, you know, younger people don't see, you know, they, right. and, and they, they have a certain sense about them. And uh, she sees that she comes to his aid. He ends up getting a very light um, slap on the wrist, so to speak. And this changes him, too, because in his view as a young man, as a young university student, a young punk, um, you know, his thought was everyone's selfish. Everyone's out for themselves. You know, all my friends, you know, they'll get away with whatever they can get away with. They'll take advantage of whoever they can. You know, the world is this egocentric place. And then she and, the, and this changes his view entirely, you know, uh, about things. And he starts to think differently about you know, him and his girlfriend they're on the rocks, you know. They drink too much. They, you know, they party too much. They're, you know, they may they may do a little bit of you know illegal things as well. And um, you know, and, and this kind of changes me. things, you know, maybe not everyone is maybe not everyone in the world is the way that I thought they were. And maybe you know, people can actually reach out to each other. Maybe people can actually help each other. And it made you know this woman made me feel good because she saw something in me. So maybe, you know, maybe I'm not so bad. Maybe my girlfriend, who I can't stand, is not so bad. Maybe, you know, the world as I see it is not the way it is. So kind of puts him on a different course, even with his girlfriend. All
0: right. So do they tend to, or in the story, are they going to basically work through, because it's a rom-com, what I think it said, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, I'm assuming the whole accident and cord happens in the first portion of the book. So is the old lady that's hit, is she throughout the book as well? Does he still interact with her? Is she becoming a main character or somebody that kind of fades off while he's trying to become a better person and then dealing with everything with his girlfriend?
1: No, she, uh, um, uh, her, uh, Mrs. Halston and Mr. Halston, they actually uh, do appear throughout the book, certainly throughout the first book. And then um, after... uh, Paul and Sandy, they get married, you know, I don't want to give away the whole story, but they end up, right. um, you know, they end up showing up to the wedding. Um, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Halson end up showing up to the wedding. And throughout the book, they, you know, um, Paul and even Sandy starts to realize that, you know, it was these two older, you know, people that changed their lives, that put them on a, on a, on a you know, a better course in life. You know, even the fact that they had never thought about getting married before, you know, because it seemed like, oh, no, you know, that's what older people do. That's what stupid people do or it's <laughs> a prison or something. And, and they start to see this older couple and how they interact and how they're very happy still. And they've been together a long time. You know, they cared about them enough to put them on a different course in life. So it really changes, changes, changes everything for them. You know, they they really hated each other. Uh, you know, uh, Paul and Sandy, to begin with, they. They they couldn't stand each other. They were breaking up. Uh, she ends up, you know, going out with another guy, a jock, uh, who ends up to be, you know, a superficial jerk who just, you know, cheats on her and whatever. And she starts to realize that, you know, maybe Paul is the only one who's who has a different uh, mindset, who's one that I can have a real relationship. So it it all focuses. It all centers around the influence of these two older people. So it's the older generation teaches the younger generation something that they wouldn't otherwise ever know or wouldn't otherwise ever realize uh personally and you know emotionally psychologically if they didn't have this you know really direct really um dramatic tragic experience
0: all right so with that and to me i understand the older generation always teaches the younger it's just usually and i can account to even when i was much younger we always think we know better when we're young. Right. So they always say youth is wasted on the young. So, (laughs) but with that being said, where did you pull this story from in the sense of, was this something that you've seen through your past? Is this something that affected you somewhere that you brought in? Where did all this come from?
1: Um, It comes from, it's a combination of uh, different personalities like most of, uh, I guess, I guess, most of my stories and probably a lot of, I imagine a lot of authors do this. You draw from different personalities, like maybe, uh, you know, a football coach who was older, who taught you, you know, certain things. And then maybe a, a sixth grade teacher who believed in you and, and, uh, you know, when no one else did and, you know, taught you something. So it's a combination of, you know, of, of a, of a sixth grade teacher, a football coach and, uh, you know, kind of put into one character with all those different traits and all the all those different lessons that they, uh, but it's all, all in the body of one person, all these influences throughout my life.
0: All right. So now there's, if I'm remembering correctly, there's three books in the Paul and Sandy series. Mm-hmm. And the super species have two books. Are you expanding on those any, or are you looking at a different series to start?
1: I'm going to, the... Uh, super species will be uh, three books is what the plan is that may turn out to be four books. I may write a prequel, a prequel to it on how the, uh, um, the process came about, how the actual development of the species came about, uh, if I feel that it will add to it. So three it will be three books uh, for super species. And the Paul and Sandy series may continue for uh, could go on. I'm thinking about at least four books, but maybe six books. All right, because, because they'll travel. They'll they'll travel all all over the world. Uh, another thing that will be initiated by their you know their experience with the the older couple because they they had traveled all over. The, they had been all over the world, and she starts to, you know, regale them with stories about uh, Germany and. Uh, know, Austria and, you know, these places that uh, they never would have thought of of going in in Europe, even Asia, you know, maybe teaching in Asia or, you know, so that uh, these are things they never would have thought of before, you know, if they hadn't uh, run across this couple. So, and and it can continue, you know, in in different ways, you know, um, you know, so I'm thinking maybe four books, maybe six books.
0: All right. So that sounds interesting. So is some of these different locations, because like I said, I saw that you lived in Europe and Asia as well. Is some of these locations, places that you've known personally, or are they just locations that you wish you would have got to visit?
1: Yeah, there'll be both. Uh, there'll be a combination of places that I've been, that I, I have personal experiences with uh, in Asia and Europe, but also, um, you know, places that I've read about. And like you say, places that I, I wish to go sometime in the future, but you know, I've, heard a lot of stories from other people that have been there, and I draw upon that experience and um, maybe extend it out a little bit and elaborate on that um, a little bit.
0: All right. Well, perfect. So with that, it sounds like we've delved into the books that you currently have out and what you have coming. So with that, I'd like to thank you for being here. And I enjoyed talking with you quite a bit. It was very interesting to learn about your books. So. You have a profile on authorblurb.com where I have all the links you've given me, the information so people can find you. Where do you prefer people to go to find you if they want to contact you, if they want to learn more about you? What do you suggest?
1: Um, They can go to uh, Facebook. I have a Facebook page. I'm working on my own web page now. That's in the process. So Facebook, you can go to Gordon Byron Author. So just like my name, Gordon Byron Mm -hmm. Author or uh, Timothy Byron author on uh, Facebook. You can also go to Amazon, uh, you know, Amazon Kindle, and uh, Gordon, uh, Gordon Byron, The Super Species, and Timothy Byron, Young Love, Old Lore.
0: All so, right.
1: Books. And they're also available in places like Barnes and Noble online and uh, other, you know, other major, ven- Apple Books, Google, Google Books, so uh, many, many venues.
0: All right, perfect. So people can find you wherever they like to get their books from. Yeah, whatever the preferred
1: platform is, I'm I'm pretty much, I can be found.
0: Well, that sounds perfect. So again, I appreciate you being here. I look forward to hopefully talking to you in the future as your books keep coming out and growing so we can keep getting to know more of it. With that yeah. being said, this is going to be the end of the conversation for everybody else listening. But like I said, I'm going to talk to you a bit more. So if you can hold on for me, I'd be quite appreciative. Sure, sure.